0: Click next. I don't know where I'm going. A little help, please. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdown. Hello, friend, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Mosby Learning Podcast. My name is Dan Hurt, and I'm calling from uh, Etobicoke. I think Mississauga and Etobicoke. I don't know. They're all kind of so close together. But uh, I'm calling from Ontario, either way, near Toronto. And uh, Adam, where are you calling from? Who are you?
1: Hey, Dan. I'm um, hello, hello and welcome to everybody out there. So uh, this is Adam, and I am calling in from Dallas, Texas. But it's finally cooled off a little bit. We're we'll finally getting to fall for the first day of this brutal summer that we've had. There you go, officially like
0: two weeks late for fall, right? I think yes, that's yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 the Druids are, are going to be very disappointed. <laughs> uh, we have uh, we have a third voice here. We have uh, one Cynthia Gibbs. Cynthia, how you doing?
2: I'm great, and you? Good,
0: good, good. good. Where are you calling from?
2: So I am calling from a little town called Double Oak, Texas. About, Double uh, yeah, northwest of Dallas.
0: Sounds quaint.
2: It is. Only 3,000 people. No sidewalks. That is,
0: that's, that is very quaint. No uh, Stop signs? Any stop signs?
2: Uh, yeah, about three stop signs, but no street lamps, no sidewalks, and no stop lights.
1: There you go. Do you have a post nope. office?
2: No, we actually use a whole larger town's post office. So the hard part is when you put the zip code in, it brings up that town.
1: Right. And the so, reason I was asking, I think it's one of those things where if you don't have a post office, you can't be an official town or yeah. official
0: city, right? <laughs> I don't
2: or think we're official like city. Yeah. Okay. It's called Town of Double Oak. So, yep.
0: Sounds, it sounds nice either way. Now, uh, Cynthia, I want to thank you for, for joining myself and Adam. Uh, Adam and I have kind of uh, you know, shared our thoughts and kind of discussed a couple things that we have to share. Uh, mm-hmm. But we we all have a little something in common and we work together, the three of us, for about well, just shy of, uh, well, about two years, I'd say. Um, and we all still kind of, you guys still do work together, isn't that right? You have yes. some sort of awkward reporting relationship, I've got that accurate. <laughs>
2: Awkward. <laughs> that sounds like a weird deal. HR
0: violation. What does
2: that mean? <laughs> now it's awkward.
0: <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> hey, uh, so Cynthia, how did you get into? Uh, how did you get into learning to begin with?
2: Um, so I got into learning in 1997 when you you Dan were probably six, um, <laughs> and so. Um, I got into it, and the reason I got into it was actually when I was a kid, I wanted to be a school teacher, and you know how things just don't really work out. And so um, I was working for a mutual fund company, and I wound wel- and I was actually a customer service rep on the phone, doing my one of like my third call center gig, and I wound up getting what's called TMJ. And so the doctors said I can no longer be on the phones talking to people all throughout the day. So they made me a training coordinator. And, the tra- and welcome
1: to the podcast where we're going to be talking for yeah. the next couple hours. Yeah, welcome.
2: <laughs> and so they made me. A, yeah, she hasn't yeah.
0: said a word since.
2: Yeah, and the crazy thing is, you know, being a training coordinator and trainer, what do you do? You talk all day. And so it was just kind of one of those weird, you know, in, in, you know speaking of HR previously, you know, with the um, American Disabilities Act, they had to find me a new position to match it. So that's how I fell into training. And yeah, and so I fell in love with it. Um, and then, you know, in mutual funds, it was kind of seasonal. So in between, so about six months of the year, I would be a trainer. And then about six months of the year, I would manage uh, a call center employees as a frontline manager. Um, And then they uh, moved the training department. So I became a department manager at 26, Um, 108 employees that I had and eight managers. And, And I wasn't very good at it it was bad. It was (laughs) bad. Yeah, it was, you know, it was was 26, you know, and what do you think at that age that, you know, it's all about power and authority. And it was not good. Um, And so my husband and I moved to Texas, and he knew I was not happy being a department manager. So he told me, I want you to go do what you love. When we moved to Texas, find what you love to do. And I always love training. And so that's when I went and um, started being a trainer. And you know, continually done. And that's where I really learned, though, um, a couple jobs in, because I've trained a lot of financial industry, um, but I've also trained telecommunications um, for uh, calling cards. I've also done it for prison, prisons, installing phones into the prisons and uh, training uh, people how to use their calling cards um, and the systems there. Um, but I also learned that
0: train, did you train inmates? How to use calling cards? No, but one of my,
2: one of my roles as a training manager was one of their requirements was you had to go visit a prison and it was, it was the scariest thing in my life. Like it was like awful. Like, I assume you were
0: scared straight after that. Yeah,
2: it was. Yeah, I definitely was. It's yeah, definitely it was. It was, yeah, it's just like that show locked up. But you're actually there, um, <laughs> and stuff. But you know, like where you know where you're going down solitary confinement, and you can hear them screaming and stuff in their solitary confinement cells. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, that's like a nice
0: that. vibe we got going on here. That's good. Yeah, okay.
2: and so it was like that. But um, but I think too, being in training, you know, because training believes a lot in coaching and development. So I had a great boss who taught me that. I wasn't taught how to be a great manager. And that's why I failed when I was a department manager because no one coached and developed me. So I was bound to fail. Um, and so she, she showed me, you know, what it takes to really be a manager and a leader. Um, and that's how I got back into being a training manager for the next 12 years.
0: Well, far out and now, 12 years now. And, and now you are a, uh, a training specialist of some sort. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Working in that Very awkward good. relationship with Adam, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't want to say it. But, you know. <laughs> but and, and actually though, it's uh
1: this Saturday, I believe. I believe it's on Friday or the Saturday is gonna be three full years.
0: If you I that. know three, six months. Cynthia. Three and years alone. Good for you. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm still on probation.
0: <laughs> oh, you're not getting off of probation anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey, uh, so it's interesting, your, your note about failures, um, you, you know, and, and I appreciate you saying, hey, I I wasn't, uh, believe it or not, at 26, I wasn't a dynamo. And I don't think anybody at 26 is a dynamo, you know, a few people might be, but so many of us kind of go through those failures, or we see those failures. And one of the guys that, that I want to kind of talk about for a few minutes is a guy named Gary V, who is okay. He's one of those characters that's okay with talking about failures. Now, Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't, I, I can't, Adam, I if I introduced him to him or introduced him to you or, or you introduced him to me, not actually in person, but just the concept of him. But uh, what, what would you say your take is on, on Gary V?
1: Absolutely love well. him. I love how he hustles. I love how he talks about getting content out. Out to people and keep trying different things and kind of revolving, uh, you know, going through different models, trying different social media sites, always kind of crafting his craft of getting his message out. And uh, I was actually just watching a video of Gary Vee back when he was, was about 15 years ago when he was at a wine Tasting, and he was hawking his wines because his his actual background comes from owning a wine store. His family owned a wine store, and he was hawking. And then he had uh, one of the first podcasts out there that was talking about wine, and that's kind of how his claim claim to fame kind of happened before he started doing marketing. So he's been hustling for, for years, and absolutely love. Also, it ties a lot to training and. You know, Dan, you and I have talked about it. We've taken some of his concepts and started putting yeah. those into how we put training out into our companies.
0: He's a, he's a sharp dude, no doubt. And I, I just want to walk back for a second to what you just said. You said he was kind of one of the original guys doing, he, he did a wine podcast. Now, the, the language, and I don't want to be that guy, but the language around podcasting, there's, there's going to be some angry uh, podcast nerds that if they hear that, they're going to wag their finger and send a nasty email. Uh, but he definitely had one of the earliest um, YouTube, I guess, a vlog at the time. And what it was, it was, I think it was wine, Daily Wine TV, Wine Daily yes. TV, something like that, uh, which might have been even on a separate website. But he'd had like a daily wine thing for years. He did that. Uh, and it was a family business that he was uh, kind of uh doing that for to kind of drum up business to keep things moving to get it going and I, I think that's arguable that you could make that uh you can make the case that that is in fact the marketing that he was doing early on uh, and he is he is a freaking dynamo hands down now Gibbs um sorry Cynthia mm-hmm. you uh, you didn't you hadn't heard about Gary V up until like yesterday until I said I'd like to talk about him on the show um and it it's interesting because sometimes he talks about that idea, and he's one of those characters that once you see Gary Vee once you're aware of him, you cannot be unaware of him he is just he is intense and pervasive and he's got his fingers in a lot of pies out there in the world and pretty much every social media platform. He is all over it, which is one of the things we're going to talk about today. But he often mentions the fact that he is incredibly famous in a very, very small sliver of the world. Um, And I think he's, you know, he he undersells his uh, his his value or his uh, awareness on that level. But since he's brand new to you, based on what you saw, what you read, what would you say about him?
2: Um, Well, and the funny thing was, I actually remember when you were still with us, Dan, uh, Adam bringing him up. And I just didn't remember his name until Mm. I started looking at his content yesterday. And then I remembered a conversation that Adam was having about, you know, taking larger pieces of video or content and breaking it down into uh, micro content. And I, I also remember, Adam, you talking a little bit about us doing things like that, um, yeah. it, where, where we're working right now and taking, you know, certain pieces, um, especially in the area that, that we are focused on um, at, at, you know, at our workplace. And, um, but I thought, you know, I was thinking about it from a design perspective and from a training perspective about how, you know, so many times we spend so many hours tr- building things and training things. And then the implementation comes and it's kind of like, oh, but how what uh, Gary Vee is talking about is how we can get so much more usage than just the one time yeah. thing um, and how much more impact we can have by building this one thing and breaking it into chunks
0: yep uh now and and that's that's a direct relation about how um i think uh, well at least you guys at caliber and and while i was there how we started to kind of break up some of the content you know and he talks about having the whole the whole thing that i that i think we're going to talk about right now is around what's called the gary v content model and it is largely just like cynthia said i mean taking these massive things and breaking it into smaller chunks now he doesn't take the whole thing and sl- like an hour keynote let's say and make two minute segments out of the whole thing there's picking and choosing that's involved he's finding kind of the babies in the bath water well and maybe he's not even doing it because he's got you know a cast of thousands that seem to be helping him with this but um i i think there is a lot of overlap, and we've talked about this, the overlap between marketing and training, and, and then we're kind of looking at how social media and training are are rubbing up against each other here. Uh, either of you guys have any thoughts on, on the correlation of those two things?
1: I do. And, and, you know, when we're looking at Gary Vee's model, it's the the Gary Vee content model. And there's really five parts to it. The first part is establishing that pillar content, right? Doing the long form webinar, doing something long uh, that he does as a long form podcast. But then he creates the micro content from that. And then the third step is distributing the micro content, putting it out there, the pillar and the micro content, right? The long form and then smaller chunks of what people have to do this is where the social media part gets in is step four in his model is get community insights from pillar content and then finally community driven micro content from there and then the fifth one is distribute a second round of micro content i do have some thoughts on it because when we were talking actually this morning into a brainstorm session about how do we get our salespeople to work together on different things of different content. And one of the big things that we talked about is creating mastermind groups in Facebook and saying, okay, now we create a Facebook group of 10 producers that we talk about different things that are happening across their month, where the best practices are, what's where they're winning, where they're not winning. And we take people distributed across the country so they can share ideas. So those salespeople who are really on an island They're out by themselves, have a community that they can talk to, create some of their own content, and then as a training department, we can summarize and curate some of that content, put it together, and then bring them together maybe one time a month to start talking about some of those tips, tricks, best practices, and share with them. And really take that community-driven content and build it
0: into our own content and distribute it out. Um, Gibbs, did you have anything you wanted to chime in on there? Cause I got a couple thoughts I want to circle back to already.
2: No, I, I was just thinking as Adam was talking about, and you both are much more versed with about Gary V and his background and stuff. Um, and so part of me was wondering when he does the big show does when he's designing it, when he's planning it, when about what he's going to present, et cetera, do you think he already thinks about how he's going to chunk it out? into smaller micro content?
0: You, you know, there's, there's one thing I heard him say that I think can, can answer that question. When he does keynotes, what he does is he understands at least who's going to be in the room and he structures about the first five to 10 minutes of it and then the rest of it is him just kind of working off what the audience might be interested in and where he wants to go, what he's interested in that moment. The guy's the guy's a phenom. He absolutely is when it comes to knowing how humans and technology interact. And maybe he just understands addiction better than everybody else. I don't know, <laughs> but he really only schedules uh, or structures the first few minutes of a talk. And then he goes on from there um, to, to, to freestyle and just kind of, like I say, flow where he wants to flow now. Uh, so, so I guess the short answer is no, I, I don't think he does. But that actually kind of brings us back to what I wanted to talk to you. So Adam, you touched on the the general structure of what he does. And it's it's if you're looking for this, you could probably just Google the uh, Gary V and it's uh, V is V E E. Gary V content model, or you can find the show notes for this episode at mosby.ca slash 005. So just go there and you can get the link as well. But, um, so the first and the, the the link is going to be in the show notes, of course, but so establish the pillar content. So that's a keynote that he might do and then create micro content from there. His people, what he's going to do is have them do kind of a first run through there, see what they think might, pique the interest of his various audiences uh, and they kind of split it out by the social media platform. And then what they do is then they put the full keynote out there, whether it's a podcast or or I think he does both like a podcast, a full YouTube thing. He he does everything everywhere. That's, that's like what's consistent about him. It's everything everywhere all the time. It's incredible. But uh, so he puts both of them out there. They see where the pickup is and he actually solicits People watching the the long form content, saying, "Hey, uh, you know, do a timestamp at something that you think is important to not only share with everybody else, but then his team finds those timestamps, see where people are really interested in it, uh, which I think is also a stat you might be able to get from uh, from YouTube." But then they cut those pieces out, which comes back to the, uh, and Adam, you had mentioned that's kind of the, the community-driven content. That's that's where that comes in. So the community says, ooh, I liked this part of the long-form piece. And then the team, Gary's team, pulls those things out and redistributes those for a second round. So he takes these like one-hour-long Keynotes or forty-five or whatever, and he turns it into among all the platforms millions and millions of views and likes and hits and retweets and all that stuff. So it's it's really incredible how his team and uh, you know it's it's his concepts, but uh, how him and his team really redistribute from that massive content. Now, Adam, if I can ask you, the uh, you were talking about uh, these these Facebook um, uh, Facebook <laughs> groups. Yeah, t- t- connect the dots here for me on this one too. How, how do these tie into uh, kind of Gary's content model?
1: Sure. It's a place where we can generate content, right? So we can put people together that say, okay, think about it from a training perspective. We put them together, we did a training or we did a session, a brainstorm session together. Now they're able to join this Facebook group. Now we can have interactions with them. We can po- pose different questions to them about the content that they've. Gone through, and now we can generate extra comment questions and other insights from the actual audience.
2: I, I, I think, too, it keeps us abreast of what's going out there on out there in the field with our salespeople. Like, it's a
0: family show, Gibbs. Watch the language. No.
2: Right? <laughs> you started it with awkward. Um,
0: <laughs> uh so the okay so can i can i ask you how because i you guys and cynthia who i of course lovingly call gibbs uh you are you on the on the like the playing field with these facebook groups as well
2: um no
0: no, and we
1: okay. have, yeah. well, <laughs> So here's the thing, Dan. I, I will say we have not launched them yet. <laughs> so, ah, so this is all theoretical. This is theoretical yeah. right now. So I, I can tell yes. you right now it is more in the theory stage and working stage. Um, Cynthia is on a, a deck that has it on there, um, but it was something that we we're talking about. We have not done that. Um, okay. And quite frankly, I don't have Facebook, but I'm thinking about where can we put groups together that, that – that, after they attend a training, now we put them together to generate a little bit more content and conversation about it. Use that as the springboard to generate more content or best practices. So, from a sales perspective, it's okay, we just went through a, a class on prospecting. How do you prospect? Now you have access to this special group here. And then we pose as a facilitator what do you think about this concept? How have you used that? And get them talking about it. Now we're generating our next call, or we're generating our next micro video for the that group to be able to see, and it's kind of custom tailored to what they were talking about.
0: So, okay, let's let's take this this th- now. Now I understand theoretical and possibly fraudulent concept. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take this concept and 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 see if we can apply Gary's uh, thing to it. So, what if you were to record said. A brainstorming session you have yes. your your because one of the other things about uh, um, what the hell these genius groups the mind somethings mind, what do you call them masterminds yeah. I mean it's supposed to be an exclusive group right Correct. And that's yep. one of the you things your, that's nice yeah.
1: on, from what I understand, and that's where we're vetting this out, everybody yeah. nods their head when we start talking about it, so I mm-hmm. assume it
2: can be done.
0: But <laughs> I'm nodding
1: my head. You're or, nodding your head. It sounds good. Right. Or they're yeah. nodding uh, off.
2: Who knows? <laughs> oh, mastermind. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's
1: usually at the end. Um, and I'm sure, it's not in, I'm sure it's not in the terms of service of Facebook to use it like this, but if Noddy it does enough. work, we, we're able to control who's part of that group.
2: So I have Facebook, Uh, and I'm part of several groups. Sick. Yeah, and so not, you know, anything special. But, um, you know, it really depends on who, you know – Adam's right you do get to say who's going to be part of the group etc someone who I think one group that I think does it really well is Dave Savage and his uh, Mm -hmm. productivity masterminds now he posts uh, when he's at summits or he's doing seminars he does post a lot of things um, you know of him interviewing people etc but what I find too is it it has literally become a community where people can ask all kinds of questions. And I've even seen our caliber people post things on there. Um, Such things as, you know, what's, what do you all think of BombBomb? What do you all think? What is your favorite CRM? And a lot of, and they get a lot of feedback. Now his group is very large, obviously, because Dave's it's Dave Savage's group. Uh, But, a lot of people post questions there and I've even seen people say, Hey, I need a, I need a lender out in Nevada, you know, getting yep. asked, giving referrals and things out. So it's become yeah. this whole community where you can go and ask questions
0: well yeah. so the the reason I'm asking the question about how how do we invite people is cuz it's it should be an exclusive group to to kind of boil down to the 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 best uh producers to get the best ideas right mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes i mean there's intuition that these these guys and gals have that maybe they don't uh, they can't externalize that but Um, If you have a conversation between four, five, six, seven, whatever, uh, and you record that brainstorming session or that just general discussion, uh, um, uh, if you were to take that discussion and then post it somewhere for the rest of your folks to listen to, then those people would be able to listen and, and pull out certain segments or, you know, you would probably do an initial vetting, send them out as communication pieces, as small video hits, as... Uh, you know, maybe even just like images embedded into emails to distribute that content. Yeah. And uh, you
2: can vet, you know, you're talking about vetting people out. There's actually a lot of groups in order to join you. You first get a questionnaire and based on the answers you give in that questionnaire, they decide whoever, you know, the administrative group is decides based on those questions, whether to accept you or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, they don't, and and that's the thing, you don't, I I can't imagine you'd want, you know, half the people being dynamos and then the other half being people just dragging the room down with with stupid questions, although I know there's no stupid questions. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally, there's a stupid question, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There is. Hey, so I wanted to to just mention two things here um, because it brought up a a subject that Cynthia has worked on just recently about kind of distributing the content. Um, First off, Dave Savage, just so there's probably a lot of people that don't know that if they're not in the mortgage industry, just want to give him a shout out. He has a company called Mortgage Coach and it's mortgagecoach.com. You can see some of his content right on Mortgage Coach. And what he does is he takes a lot of top producing salespeople and interviews them to create content of... What are they doing in the field? So sharing those best practices. So he does a great job with that. But the second thing I wanted to point out is something that Cynthia has done to take pillar content and then break it down into these micro content areas. And what we did is recently we just launched a course that was a sales course of really how to overcome selling, saying, I don't want to sell. I don't want to do anything. How to get motivated to sell. And during that course, what Cynthia did is she interviewed a, what we call a regional manager to get best practices, and then also interviewed one of our salespeople. We took that content, cut it up into different parts, and played certain questions she was asking during the interview. So it was natural breaks to say, hi, this is what Dan thinks about this. And we played it. somebody real in the field that everybody knows as a top-producing regional manager cut it up, and played that two-minute segment because it was very relevant. And it was so relevant to the sales force because it wasn't just trainer guy or trainer gal saying, you should say this. It was somebody really in the field. And then at the end of the course, we took that pillar content, the very long-form interview, and we made sure that everybody had access to it. So if somebody wanted to watch the full interview, they could do it. So it was almost a reverse model to Gary V's, but we used a long-form interview Cut it up into small segments, put it within the virtual session at the right time, and then gave them the long form interview after the fact.
0: Okay. And you just answered the next question I had, which is how did you distribute this? So you're doing you're distributing this video as a resource within a virtual session for your salespeople? We actually played it during the session.
2: Mm-hmm. So you
0: played it during the session. Did was there any other avenues to redistribute that?
2: Just at the end the with bu- the email.
0: Yeah. Just so in the, the what? So at the end with the email. So, um, tell me more about that.
2: So, as a gift, or is, or is this
0: a, is this a, is this a secret? <laughs> no, no. So, it's, if you it attended, feels like it's a secret, yeah. it's awkward again, guys. <laughs> so, there we if you intended,
2: like I guess you could say, as your gift for attending the webinar, you now get the whole video, yeah. uh, <laughs> kind of thing. It, And that was pretty
1: much what it was because we played (laughs) snippets. We didn't play the whole, I think it was, what was your total We were
2: teasing them the whole time.
1: (laughs) Teasing them the whole time, but answering one to two questions. And I think the whole video was like 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But we would play those segments that were relevant in the course. And they got about three to four segments. And so at the end, thank you for completing this course. By the way, go check this out. Um, Because at the end, it was not just... Thank you for completing. Here's more resources to kind of keep your learning alive. And you can go to the full interview to get even more tips and tricks because we knew also, too, that the information was very valuable to the salespeople.
2: Yeah, it was almost like you got little snippets. So it got you motivated and excited to want to hear the whole thing.
0: No, I I like that. Like a little, like you said, like Mm -hmm. a teaser, a little trailer for, for things to come. I like that. And, you know, it's funny. We were talking, uh, I think, in the last chat you and I had, Adam, um, I was almost going to say conversation, but I feel as though that's a word that should be banned in society at this point. Conversation? It's constantly abused. Like we need to have a conversation. Like, let's just talk about stuff. Let's chat. There's more than one word for this. Anyways, in our conversation last week, um, I think we uh, talked about getting uh, the deck at the end of a session or people ask for a deck at the end of the session and they don't actually view it. Now, when you guys distribute the long form that you've pulled the small segments from, so I guess you'd call that the pillar content, when you distribute or when you share that pillar content at the end do you see if there's much pickup on that
1: Um looking right now
0: good and i know question. that everybody's got full plates of things so they don't always <laughs> have the time to go back to this but you know if, if you knew if you did that'd be interesting to know
1: yeah i don't have it offhand, and it would be a very interesting thing but i have a sorry we couldn't find that page coming up so well that's good uh, yeah, I'll get back with you about that. Okay, so pages you can find
0: Mosby.ca/slash/zero-zero-five. That's where you can find the show notes for this session. Uh, and so, okay, the reason again we're going, we're talking about this whole thing started with Gary V. Why the hell are we talking about this guy? Because he produces obscene amount of content and he is, in fact, a subject matter expert. You know, one of the things that uh, he and and he's a he's a marketing guy. I mean, I, I think that's really what he is. Now you you were talking about Dave Savage, who is uh, a a mortgage guy. One of the things that both of them happen to do is they freely share, everything Mm -hmm. they just they they give their souls away for the greater good and it's also benefited them tremendously now one of the ways that gary v gives his content away is on every single platform that's out there it's incredible uh how much he does give it away now adam so you have uh you you got linkedin and twitter i do seven followers and, and i (laughs) Hey, <laughs> yeah,
1: 11. Is that what he's up to? I don't know if I'm up there that high yet. So please follow me on Twitter.
0: It's, uh... Did your siblings join Twitter? Is that is that how you got it up that high? Um, so, but do you follow him on Twitter? I do not. I do not. Okay. Uh, well, I follow him on LinkedIn. I know you do. Gibbs, mm-hmm. Do, do you, I know you just kind of looked into him this evening, but did you click follow or subscribe or anything like that anywhere? Yes. You did? Okay. Yes,
2: on uh, LinkedIn.
0: It, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it for sure. But he's on every single platform, which kind of leads us to one of the other things that we want to talk about tonight. And that's the one of our seven spokes in my and Adam's conversation. Uh, about debate. <laughs>
1: How about debate? De- De- there you go. Let's just talk about debate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> about, about microlearning though. Like, And one of the big things that we had to think about. Now, luckily, I didn't have to think too hard about this. It was already decided by the time I came into the story, but it was about housing. Where do you put all this content? And we've mentioned YouTube a couple times tonight. That's where a lot of Gary Vee's stuff lives and, and Dave Savage stuff lives. But um, your stuff does not live on YouTube.
1: It does yeah. not. Um, it does not. So yeah, it, we actually took an interesting journey about where we housed everything. And
0: Would you say a hero's journey? It
1: might have (laughs) been a hero's journey if we came back with some knowledge that we may have. And we have lots (laughs) of failures along the way. Uh, But the first one that we talked about is, you know, what's the right place to house information or micro learning videos? And we didn't really know when we first made stuff. So we put it on SharePoint. um, and. I can tell you, I know there's newer versions of SharePoint, but it's just not a good content management system at all. You don't get views. You don't get a lot of information. It doesn't really work when you're streaming. Um, So it's just not the best place to put it. And that's where we started. And after that, we did try our learning management system. And I don't want to go into a big debate uh, right here but learning management systems versus content management systems versus learning content management systems that's a whole nother show but our learning management system when we put things out there it was not usable for our employees the content was gated it was very difficult to get to our learning management system does not work with a link so you actually have to go through multiple windows you got to go to a sharepoint site you got to click on a another site you need to log in you need to find the content it wasn't very usable, and I, I think from a micro learning video, uh, micro learning perspective, that's where Gary V sent it out to everything. You were talking about he puts it on every channel. He puts it on Snapchat. he's yeah, yeah. that I never heard of. Instagram, Snapchat.
0: TikTok. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah, and he's then, one, yeah,
1: he's one of the big proponents right now of TikTok. And TikTok. if you don't know what TikTok is, it's basically Vine times two, right? So Vine, I think, was eight seconds. I think TikTok That was, was helpful 16.
0: for everybody that didn't know what TikTok is. Now they're in the loop.
1: <laughs> so if you didn't know what Vine was, yeah. now you know what TikTok is. But it, but it just goes to show you, you distribute to a lot of different places. And I think in our corporate side, we learned that our LMS is horrible. Uh, I won't give you the name at this point, but it was an absolutely horrible learning management system. And so we had to figure out how do we make it easier? And, you know, Gary Vee says, okay, whatever site you're on, you're going to find my content. And we had to start doing the same. And so this was, what, three years ago, Dan, I think is when we decided we're going to start putting things on Vimeo. And we kind of threw up there and said, okay, which do we go to, YouTube or Vimeo? At the time, we chose Vimeo because it was supposed to be password protected and a little bit more rigorous on that. Um I don't know if that's necessarily true, but our legal department signed off on Vimeo and we've used it ever since. But that allowed our content to be easier to consume. So when Cynthia was talking about sending out videos, we just send a link in the email or we hyperlink it to a picture that says, like, click me. It's super easy to access the content. And that allowed us to get some views also.
0: You know, I mean, I I, I don't think we can either... um and we'll have to go back to the previous debate, whether it's under or overemphasized, but uh, the the importance of the ease of access for the user slash learner is absolutely friggin paramount to me. You know, the, the amount of clicks that it takes mm-hmm. to open a course in your LMS, no one enjoys that. It's, it's just like, okay, let me ask you, you guys are in, in the States. I am not. Uh, mm-hmm. but Uh, 401k if you wanted to check in on your 401k how many things do you have to click to actually find the number You know what I mean? Like you're clicking, you're clicking, you're clicking. And for obvious reasons, there's security that you want to be able to balance. But when it comes to distributing knowledge to try to level up your forces, uh, you want to just make that just easy peasy, you know, like let's eliminate every click possible. And that kind of touches on the password thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago. Like it just like it started off had to be password protected. Okay, fine. I didn't care for that idea. (laughs) because it puts another gate in place, but okay, proprietary, whatever. And then all of a sudden, one day it wasn't as important because an executive VP put out the password on LinkedIn. So uh, okay, I guess it's, it's, it's free love hour. Let's just, let's live and let learn, you know?
1: But I will say, you know, one of the big things that Vimeo has allowed us to do is to be able to get views and be able to get some statistics, whereas our SharePoint site did not give very good statistics and our learning management system didn't really give good statistics either. And so Vimeo allows us to give some statistics as far as who's viewing it, when are they dropping off so we can see when people are actually, okay, I'm done listening to Dan talk. I am done with that video. So it gives us some of that idea of who's watching, where it's watching. We don't know specifically which person is watching, but I get an idea when something's launched, did we launch it correctly? And that goes back to how do we market it? Did we put the right marketing and communication strategy in place so people could actually consume it and find the learning?
0: The uh, the views. Yes. Um, Cynthia, do you in conversations that you're a part of? Does anybody care about those?
2: The number of views.
0: Yeah. Like, are, are people in the field, maybe? Because you're kind of in tune with the people in the field, right? Are they ever interested in this at all?
2: In watching it or how many views we got?
0: No, how many views? Are they interested in what's popular, like what's trending?
2: Um, I think it comes more so from uh, word of mouth or who we're talking to and how we advertise it in different classes. Um, we tend to, especially in the university that we run, at our place we make sure and we were just talking about this the other day of how we need to always you know continually add value and so we always need to have at the end of the webinar or throughout the webinar we're training you know advertising of you know the different things we give them or the different things they can view on our training page to uh, you know deepen their learnings on different things um, so I think That's when it comes or when they hear, hey, I viewed this video that, you know, the training team, uh, the learning team made, et cetera. That's when it becomes important. I think when it comes to marketing, you know, like we're just looking at, you know, the Gary V thing and one of his slides was saying, I'm not bragging or anything, but I got 35 million views on this um kind of thing so when it comes that's bragging that's straight up bragging yeah Yeah, i mean it was i mean he was being sarcastic about it but i think when it comes to advertising you know um we were talking today about recruiting um in one of our meetings and you know the the importance of you know saying things like that of how popular it is to draw people in
0: right yeah, I mean, it is part of the value prop, you know. And it's interesting. You just mentioned that you're part of a university, and I think just to be clear, that's kind of your corporate branded university for uh, for your your sales uh, your sales yes. folks. Not an, not an actual university. Yes,
2: I'm dean. No, I okay.
0: can <laughs> <laughs> Still on probation, though. Yeah, um, you're the dean but, of memes. That's yeah, you are. <laughs> but.
1: But Dan, you know, one of the other the cool parts that has happened with our housing solution and, and I'm trying to pull it up and I keep getting blocked. So maybe Vimeo's not the answer. But um, hmm. what I've noticed is, Dan, how long have you been gone? You've been gone now. A I've year. been gone for just
0: over a year. Yes, just over, over a year. A year. Yeah.
1: There, I was looking at some of our views for the last month and there was several videos that you did when you were here that yeah. are still getting views. And now some of the information may be outdated, but what's happening is people are stumbling upon the learning. I know for a fact I'm not advertising or putting out communications that says this learning is here. Check it out from Dan Hurt. It's Mm. been a year. We haven't put anything out with you on there. So there's information that's still out there that people are still consuming because they're stumbling upon that learning going through some of the old archives of saying, hey, there's a library here. Let me keep watching. And that's one of the neat things that happens when we launch videos at this point because we have so much content out there. People are stumbling upon other videos. People are stumbling, stumbling upon other content because they're looking mm-hmm. around. And it's really easy to get sucked into it just like you would do on YouTube of watching you know, video after video.
0: Yeah, I mean similar. I would agree if you qualify that too similar to what you would do on YouTube because I was going to actually say that YouTube does a tremendous job of keeping mm-hmm. you on YouTube you know, uh, uh, by giving you the autoplay, by giving you the, if, if the channel's got it set up, like check out one of these other three videos about something maybe you'll care about based on, you know, the content of the original video you're watching. Uh, and that's one of the, the challenges that we had to make that super clear or super easy with Vimeo, or at least it was while I was there and kind of going through it. You know, there was ways that we set stuff into channels, which, which allowed, uh, people to go back to the channel. To kind of poke around and see what else they might find. That was interesting. But I think YouTube's really got that that down for keeping people there. And, you know, so they're doing Facebook. it because they're a marketing platform. What's that?
2: So, does Facebook.
0: Um, tell, tell me more about that.
2: So, Facebook looks at the ads and stuff that you like mm. or the groups mm-hmm. that you join, et cetera, And from yeah. there, or, or, you know, it's kind of creepy. Like, is it like alexa or whatever because it it sort of knows like you're shopping where you go to etc and so it it keeps you going oh it's not
0: kind of creepy it's it's full-on creepy yeah it's full-on creepy (laughs) i love
2: it um you love love
0: it it. you do not i do track everything everything. you you know what you know you you buy a thing on amazon and what are (laughs) all the ads (laughs) for for the next two weeks the thing you just bought on amazon
1: yeah but it's kind of like 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 when i go shopping to kroger i absolutely love kroger because after I go shopping, I scan my card, and then about two weeks later, I get a bunch of coupons exactly for what I bought. It's like, bacon. Yes, I love bacon. They know I love bacon. They mm. send me a coupon for $0.60 cents off, and I'm going to go buy more bacon. Interesting. Fantastic.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you like it. Yeah, track me.
2: They, did they send ones for, like, Mint's <laughs> Warehouse and... Joseph Banks. Oh, leave the gray suit alone.
1: <laughs> there's a long-standing joke that we're not going to talk about in this episode. All right. So, wrapping up, on we're going to cover that event, in the next. Yeah, episode. we'll cover that in the next episode. That's kind of an inside joke for everybody who's listening on here. But uh, at the end of the day, there's uh, a couple things that we found out when we were hu- doing our housing and, and kind of finding when we first launched our series in micro learning we were just really haphazard we were putting things all over we didn't know what worked we failed at sharepoint nobody asked us that we failed in our learning management system we didn't really understand the medium differences between e-learning and videos you know people understand that hey i need to go do compliance training i know i'm going to go to my learning management system i know i have to log in and do all these different things how even our attestations that we have to do every year in the finance business. You have to go to this learning management system. It needs to be tracked. Micro-learning was a little bit different. People wanted to find it at their fingertips and make it really easy. So it is a different medium than you're working with something like e-learning.
0: So, Can, can I can I jump in there just for a second? Because that actually also direct, directly relates to what uh, Gary Vee does. His content, he not only uh, distributes it through every friggin' channel ever, uh, available possible. But he also tailors the content to the type of people that are on those channels, whether it's age group or whatever. Uh, but he also changes the content to fit the format. And that's one of the things that learning. I, I think we're lagging behind on that. You know, we, we think that, or some of us think that, you know, oh, it's a document. Well, let's do all this stuff or it's an email. Let's do all this stuff. And, or, or it's the same thing as uh, taking a, what is it? Taking a webinar or, or a, or a PowerPoint deck for a live session and just doing that in a webinar. You have to change the content to fit the format of the medium. Uh, otherwise it's not going to work the same way.
2: So he has a great marketing team that uh, has done a lot of research on oh God, who yeah. are the most followers on this one. What's the age groups? What's the demographics? So he knows exactly yeah. what to post.
0: Yeah, he's a metrics maniac. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah and he, he also uses that same content in different ways, too. So he'll take yep. something that's a video and then pull the audio out of it to be able to allow people to listen to it of the mm-hmm. different sides. So he's using that same content. But pushing it out different ways. And that's kind of what you said. But he, but I think it really kind of goes to light when you say he took a video, pulled his audio out of that video, and now he has, and he'll put that on a video, he'll put it on Spotify or he'll put it on Apple Podcasts just. The audio portion
0: of it not the video yeah. side or anyway. or on linkedin he's uh, he's one of those people that uses the documents feature that you can scroll through the pages on a document on linkedin he uses that quite a bit he's got kind of a comic series that he's running um and there's other stuff that he puts on there too but yeah he definitely fits the medium so he he not only takes the content that he uses and distributes it appropriately but he also finds different medium niches and takes advantage of those things too so i mean he knows the tools his teams know the tools that he's got access to.
1: Absolutely. You know, when we were talking in our presentation, that was kind of the the crux of this housing solution part, too, is what what we learned in our hero's journey coming back full circle was there were three things that we learned after all those failures, right? One, you got to weigh the solution attributes, like which solution's best for your audience. Two, consider your access. How do they access it? And, you know, one of the things that, that I thought was really interesting that we realized almost right in the beginning is that our audience, the salespeople were outside salespeople. The salespeople were not sitting at a computer at their laptop. And so even getting into the learning management system was difficult. At least ours was, right? It was not accessible from their phone. Vimeo is. So consider that access. Where are they going to be consuming this? Now I'm not saying they should do it while they're driving, but in the parking lot, they can pull over at Walmart to watch our videos. Um, And then finally our big learning was create paths to stumble upon different learning. And that's something that I think we're still doing today is where are we putting learning so people can continue to stumble upon it and get the right information with what they're looking for. So they're actually finding it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Get it, get it in front of their eyes. You know, that that's one of those things where I, I sometimes get frustrated dealing with, um, I should be tender about the way I phrase this, but, but working with subject matter experts or other training professionals and saying, well, it's in the training. God, I should know this. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> you, you, hang on. You told them, you told them one time, two years ago, how the hell are they supposed to remember everything you told them? And especially if you make it hard for them to access, well, how are they going to see it at all? You know, you have to put it in front of people's face and you have to do that like 10 times yep. and then they'll finally get it.
1: Well, it just goes back to that whole ebbing house forgetting curve, right? So yeah. I don't know yep. what statistic people are saying these days because I think they make it up on the fly. But I'm going to yeah, they like forget seven, stuff
0: immediately. That's yeah,
1: it. I, I'm going to go from seventy to ninety percent is lost within the first thirty days, right? Thirty. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that percentage is right or even close, but at the end of the day, people forget and they forget really fast with the amount of information yeah. coming at them. So this is a way to. Overcome that Ebbinghaus curve because you're getting it in front of them multiple times, over and over and over again, in different formats. The likelihood that they're actually absorb it, learn it,
0: increases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got it, man. All right, uh, Gibbs. We had a whole a whole segment, a whole third segment scheduled for for you to tell us about some management books that you're into. But uh, I think if it's all right with you, we might save that for the next uh, the next chat. If uh, if that works,
2: that works for me.
0: Yeah, all right, because some of us in the Eastern Times don't have to go to bed soon. Yep. And um, I'm looking
1: forward to that debate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what debate? Is it an actual debate or what? <laughs> Art debate. Is that a conversation? Be- Oh, yeah. Well, because in Canada, we're, we have an election coming up, and they just had a debate last night oh. of, uh, of all of all 32 of our of our party leaders trying to get together and argue for a few minutes. Oh, that seems um, like a good use
1: of time of everyone's time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 32 might be an exaggeration, but uh, okay. Well, um, Adam, where can people find just the, the amazing things that come out of your mind? Where can they find those things on the interwebs?
1: Sure. I think the best place is – linkedin which is just my name adam costix c-o-s-t-a-k-e-s at linkedin so linkedin is probably best if you'd like to join my twitter followers though uh (laughs) it is msu spartan so m-s-u-s-p-a-r-t-n it's Spartan for the Michigan State Did you State go to Spartan?
0: Michigan State?
2: Wait, did you, you go forgot, there? You forgot the A between the T and the N. Well, I, I did. Think. It was
1: kind of trying to be kitschy. <laughs> it was kind of trying to be oh. fun. So there is no A in that industry okay. Spartan. That was, that's purposeful. And if you'd like to become... Follower number eight. You can find me on Twitter, uh, but I did want to also mention one other place to find us. Dan, and I'll segue over to you and Cynthia real quick. Uh, we are on if you're listening to this on to Apple Podcasts or Google. We're also on Spotify. So if you have Spotify now, you can find this episode and start downloading and subscribing through the. Yeah, Spotify
0: download app. in all three platforms. Yes, do it. All right, Subscribe Cynthia. All. Where can um, do you do you do you want to share? Uh, what do you want to share? What do you want to share? You tell me.
2: What do I want to share? Um,
0: <laughs> like, where, where, where? Do you, Do you want to share? Do you want to put yourself out there on LinkedIn as as a come find me on LinkedIn? Sure, cell yeah. Because I
2: too. have like, cell phone.
0: Yeah, just give us your cell phone. Where my, can people text you? My cell phone you? number
2: eight six seven five three zero nine. No, you could definitely follow me on Twitter because I have thirteen thousand connections. By the way. On Twitter. That's not a connection. On LinkedIn. They're not connections. On LinkedIn.
0: This number is suspect.
2: I am very popular. Suspect. Very, very popular. Hmm. Let me see. Mm -hmm. How many Mm -hmm. does (laughs) it say I have? (laughs) <laughs> oh, so we're going to go
1: to that while well, she's looking at that yeah. uh, speaking of phone numbers and we'll kind of wrap this up here but speaking of phone numbers something that Gary Vee did yeah, I don't know if you saw that he actually put yeah. his phone number out there and said text me and people were texting this him guy. and he was responding to people's texts and it was not a chatbot he was actually responding to people's texts which is pretty amazing wow He's,
0: he's not he's not a normal human he is not a normal human this is for sure all right, you you can find me a semi-normal human, H uh, I R T uh, Dan Hurt. Uh, You can just find me on LinkedIn. I am literally nowhere else. So find me there. I'm not on TikTok. Don't look. But uh, you can also find, again, the show notes for this, mosby.ca slash 005. Check it out. And if you're interested, I do voiceover stuff. I've been doing voiceover stuff for years and years and years. And I'd love to do voiceover for you. So uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you're interested in that. Uh, Adam, Cynthia, thank you guys so much. And we'll talk to everybody next week. See you later, folks. Bye. And this long-distance dedication goes out to a lonely heart in Calgary, Alberta. This is Verano sensual by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Sweet dreams out there.